HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Zapotitlan de Vidio is a community of some 6,000 people in south-central Jalisco. There is a long and strong history in this community of traditional agriculture, what's now being called regenerative farming. But that history is at risk of disappearing. Sacred is supporting the build of a 4,000-square-foot public library in this community. The focus of the library will be regenerative farming, with a large portion of the collection being selected by local vinateros, Sacred is both humbled and proud to be able to help support the future of regenerative agriculture in Zapotitlan de Vaidio, and it's all made possible by a grant from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this library and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chapriwan. And this here is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. And today, Chava, we're going to take another drink towards oblivion. Uh, I think it was extinction. Uh, no. Well, extinction, oblivion, like it's the same thing. It's, it's basically driving planet Earth into the sun and just getting <laughs> smothered. <laughs> We're, well, talking about. We're, we're not driving it into the sun. We're, dri- we're, we're driving away the protective barrier between us and the sun. We're rotting that away. That's what we're doing so effectively and efficiently. Among many other things. And again, you tend to say that these are sad episodes. And yes. I don't think so. I, I think these are episodes that give me a lot of hope. So today, uh, we're t- <laughs> <laughs> they do. They on- I honestly feel hopeful every time I talk about these things uh, with a little bit more of clarity. And today, we're trying to talk about what happens if we save wild agave. So we're are, uh, we are located now in 2030, 2040 maybe. And, um, and we have effectively defeated the forces of simplification. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. This is, are we, are we time tripping? Is this a science fiction episode? Yeah, yeah, we need sounds. Roy. Oh, Roy's gonna love this one. 
So instead of shooting your little pew pew, your little pea shooters now, you're going to have laser guns, right? There you go. And we are time traveling. And actually, I'm going to say we are in 2050. That sounds more. But but just to be clear, it's not like we've aged, right? Because in 2050, <laughs> I don't expect to be around. No, they found treatments. Now you can even eat meat again. You look better. <laughs> like you look have a, you have hair again. You look better than you've ever looked. Lou. Medicine has also defeated many other stuff. And uh, so now we're in 2050, and. Tequila has actually diversified. They have changed the denomination of origin, and tequila can be made with not only tequila and abeber. You can use many other agaves. The UNESCO has retreated the protection to the to the to the tequila and abeber fields, realizing that that's monoculture and that has nothing to do with biodiversity. That's that is wait, what wait, 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 hang on. I'm going to need you to put a fine point to that. Oh Lord. Did I miss something? UNESCO what? actually said that these Blue Weber fields were part of, of heritage. Like a protectage? Yeah, heritage of humanity. Hang on a second. So does that mean that they're not like, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> that Tequila and Beber monoculture uh, fields are tangible heritage of humanity the same way that the Vatican is. Wow. Right? Dumb. Wow. Okay. So, 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 so UNESCO finally learned uh, what those Blue Weber fields really stood for. Yes. Like, and, like and Pedro they, Jimenez went over there and said, hey, guys, hang on, because this is how Pedro talks. Hey, guys, hang on a second. You got something wrong here. Exactly. And they were like, oh, Lord, we're sorry. We just learned how to read and write. We're terribly sorry. We're going to amend this mistake. <laughs> and they do. And, uh, so, and mezcal, it's, it's now we don't have a denomination of origin for mezcal. We have mezcal de Durango. We have mezcal de nombre de Dios. And we are producing agave spirits with more than 400 different species and varietals. Oh my God. Java, this future we're living in is amazing. How do you think we got from where we were in 2022? The last time I saw you, where we were in 2022 to this beautiful world in 2050. Well, there's only one problem though. I mean, we, Wait, we got, we got, we got here because the Chicagoans where you are, they yeah. decided they didn't want to drink the simple stuff. They wanted yeah. to actually have fun when they went out to drink. And they wanted oh. to have five different things in front of them and be surprised and amazed by the diversity that it's in this spirit. That had to be because of Michael Rubel's new bar that opened in 2022. But keep going. Correct. So that happened. But now we have a problem. Well, what's the, what's the problem, Java? We are now China in the sense that we are having the second level problem that happens when this diversity becomes popular. And what is that? Well, I think I could explain this, but we do happen to have a quote by Dan Saladino that wrote this book called It Into Extinction, and he explained this beautifully. So let's let's roll that out. The way we are eating from the um, this more uniform uh, world of processed foods based around commodity crops is resulting in the extinction of a lot of the diversity out there in the world. And if we carry on eating in that way, basically we are going to be pushed towards extinction as well as lots of biodiversity and agrobiodiversity. 
that tension, that dilemma, and I'm not sure if there is a there is a uh, an answer, and it, 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 perhaps it's subjective, or perhaps it's actually down to a case by case scenario. But it reminds me of the um, chapter in the book about Puerti. Now, Puerti from southwestern China, uh, a, a, a hot spot of biodiversity. As, it, as is uh, Oaxaca in Mexico, where the wild tea trees grow. Um, and these are tall, spindly trees, and they can be a thousand years old. And this is where indigenous people first gathered the, you know, the leaves and started to process them, and eventually came up with this ingenious system of packing them into cakes after they'd been um, uh, fermented uh, and taken through the tea-making process. And they became these cakes of tea. Which um, they say that when you when you taste some of the pu'er tea made from these cakes uh, produced from the wild tea trees, you are drinking the forest, and it's that that that's the experience you have. Now the problem is that um, obviously China's history is complicated, and you've got um, you know the the push to industrialize under Mao, and then you've got the Cultural Revolution, huge amounts of disruption, but it meant that the the skills, the traditional knowledge started to disappear. The factories were, in, in many cases, um, closed down. And a lot of the um, wild tea trees were uh, impacted because of deforestation. However, in the 21st century, China's economy changes and people start auctioning off poor cakes, in some cases in batches of, of millions of dollars, because they, be, they become so highly prized, particularly as they can last, they can, you know, so, you know, you can have a cake of tea preserved for 100 years. And so all of a sudden, huge amounts of commercial pressure starts to bear down on these remote villages in southwestern China in pursuit of the best, the finest wild uh, tea and the cakes of, of, of Pur, to the point where there were people um, uh, fraudulently, you know, kind of um, mis mislabeling things or there were fake Pur teas. And uh, clearly there was a huge amount of pressure on the nature and also a lot of the wild wilderness started be, to be replaced by tea, commercialized tea, tea plants. So you could actually say that the poor cake had come from that village. Um, and throughout the whole story, you kind of want the people, the local people to be the beneficiaries of, of that industry in a sense. But it's obviously very, very complicated and there are lots of other interests at play. So I think it's 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 obviously such a complicated situation. And I think people people should be able to drink the best, the wildest cakes of poor tea. That should be something um, th that we all can experience at, at some point in our lives. But at the same time, it needs to be managed in such a way that it isn't you know, distorting the economy of the villagers. It isn't leading to deforestation because of cynical replacement of the of the wild plants. So I don't have the answer, but I, I know I want to taste the good stuff myself. I want the skills and the traditions to survive as well. So I think people need to be taking an interest and investing and buying, but it it, it, it obviously needs to be handled in a really delicate way. Again, I, I love this with such passion. And what is the critical part of everything he said here for me? The most important part for me here is that why we love Puerti is because we are drinking the forest. 
We have an access <laughs> to the forest when we're drinking that. And if there's no forest that informs these tea leaves, then we're drinking normal tea leaves. Yeah, but God, I mean, this really comes back for me, it comes back to one of two things. You know, the first thing it, it, it makes me think of is everything in moderation, including moderation. You know, when he says, when he says, I want, I want to taste this beautiful tea. Of course, everybody should get to taste this beautiful tea. Like, I, I think that's wonderful. And I think, you know, as you say, tasting that forest gives you a sense of place. If you really stop and you think about it and you 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 have somebody walking you through that experience. So it's not just, hey, I'll have another glass of tea. Thank you to, you know, to your hospitality, sir. Um, it's literally enjoying it and appreciating it. And then, God, I wonder what the the, the forests in, uh, I don't know, I, I want to taste a forest in India now, right? Yes, yes. But, but well, and then, again, we're in 2050. And oh, yeah, I forgot we, that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> we, we have a problem now. We are agave-centric. We have all these different species of agave that supposedly are wild, but we don't have the environments around them that were nourishing them because we need so many of them. We have like because weird, so many people want to taste that arocaño. We we have like a weird combination, like like what Dan was was suggesting of something that it's informed well wilderness, but it's not necessarily surrounded by that wilderness anymore. And that the problem now is that we need so much of these beautiful rare things, and they cost so much money that a the community that produces them they cannot access it. They cannot drink a bottle of $1,000 agave spirits. So they, they don't even like, it's not part of their festivities, not part of their weddings. It's not part of their quinceañeras anymore. Uh, they are forced to make, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like another version of monoculture that we just <laughs> well, don't know is, yet. <laughs> well, this was the second point I was getting to, right? Is I, I think in essence, we just recreated the problem. Right, like a, tequila, think about it. Like tequila started in a tiny, tiny, tiny little town. What this this Pu'er story is the tequila story. Yes. It started in a tiny little town, and it was a diversity of agaves that were used to make it. But the world didn't know that. All they knew was there's this amazing spirit that's coming out of this little place, and that little place suddenly grew to five states. Yes. And then and then this little place that was making this beautiful spirit by hand industrialized in order to service this world knocking on its door saying, hey, I dig this. I want a lot. Give it to me. And and then as our friend David Searle likes to say, it became a race to the bottom. Who could make it cheapest so that so that more of the world could enjoy it and the locals could enjoy it, which gets back to what you're saying, right? Yeah. And, you know, I was saying that this is not a sad episode, but this is... Uh, <laughs> I will make everything sad, Java. Oh, I know. I know. I've experienced that way too many times, but it's... It, this is where it gets really complicated because then the conversation is not about saving mezcal. It's not about saving agave. It's, it's a all or nothing. You save full ecosystems and full cultures with everything that comes in that package. So the corn in the community becomes as important as the agave, as the pumpkins, as the trees, as the monkeys, as the pumas in the community. 
And if you can sustain all that extremely complicated package of things and still make beautiful agave spirits, that's great. But if agave spirits are disrupting this beautiful balance and need, you need to bypass them, you need to say, maybe someday you say like, you know what, the effects that making mezcal in this community is having over it is trending it to a way that is going to erase this culture for good. We need to be prepared to say, you know what, even if these are some of the most brilliant makers, they've decided to stop making this because it is hurting their community. And I think that's a very sad moment if well, we ever you know, get to that. Well, I, but I think, <laughs> I think kind of the, if you love Pu'er tea, maybe the thing, to, sorry, Dan, maybe the thing to do is say, don't taste it. This is, this gets back no, to this no, concept no, 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 that, no, 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 hang on. No, no, this gets no, no, back no. to the concept that, uh, that you and I have talked about before, which is I'm really coming around to the idea that maybe we shouldn't be drinking or eating anything that's made more than a day's walk from where we are because it's our demand it's our demand as a species that i want to drink that poo air tea that's creating the force that you know i'm not going to say it's it's that requires the community to do this but that encourages the community to to destroy its traditions and in destroying the traditions we're destroying this entire ecosystem that keeps us alive. Well, you know how you always like to say that I love very expensive stuff, but in, because in some way it, it reduces the level of consumption. I was having a conversation the other day in which they were telling me like, well, that might have been true 30 years ago, 50 years ago, but now there's so much money in the world where that is not like, think of the rhinoceros horns. You know, like the fact that they're extremely expensive, the only thing that it did was to create a bigger demand because there was yeah. enough people with enough money. There was more people with more money than there was rhinoceroses. And I think that happens to a lot of these very special rare products that, that we're talking about. Yeah. So the solution, like, I'm sorry, I get like past Chava, Chava from 2022, uh, <laughs> expensive stuff is not going to solve this problem. You know, like, I'd like to think that part of the solution is uh, I was living for a while in Chiapas and there was not access to meat every day. Mm -hmm. uh, when there when somebody will kill an animal, they will announce in the perifoneo, you know, like this big loud loudspeaker that they have in towns. Like on MASH. Uh, you've seen that. Yeah. They're like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they will announce that there was meat and it was a small festivity in the town that somebody had killed an animal. And that happened maybe every week, maybe every 15 days. But this was understood as not only expensive, but it was a special moment. Yeah. It was almost like you had a Thanksgiving every two, three weeks. Yeah. And I think that that created a moderation that was connected to joy. Because what I hate about the discourse of moderation is that somehow we all become... Uh, not very joyful people, but, uh, but in this way, like you create this amazing festivity and this mindset of, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this beautiful thing that doesn't happen every day. And that was made with the ultimate care because it is connected to, to all these feelings of, uh, of, of rarity. God. You know, I, you're, you're, you're touching on something that I, I really, I love this, um, because, you know, my 
My problem with the theory that we shouldn't eat or drink anything that's made more than a day's walk from where we are, right, mm. is that in essence we create these uh, these silos for ourselves. That yeah, you know, like and I, I and I hate that. But I, you know, do I hate that more than I hate the destruction of our planet? No. So if if there's some way to recreate. Uh, what you're describing, where like suddenly in the in my community of Humboldt Park in Chicago, um, w- you know, once every ten years we get one poo air cake, and, and we we get to like we have a tea festival in the park, and that's it. And then you know, another ten years you might see another one, but otherwise, leave it alone and leave that to the folks in China. It's like watching comets. You know, instead of watching oh stars, my God, that it is, is watching so comments. You're watching comments. Java, that's beautiful. Came out of my heart. Came out of my heart. Yeah, but, but you know what I mean? I think that's, that's not moderation. That's just absolute enjoyment. And I think that's what these extremely delicious special products should be about. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and yeah, I, that's, I think that is my conclusion. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's a, there's this, this study that was done in, uh, I think it was in 1972 by the folks at, uh, MIT called Limits to Growth that's, uh, that hit the news again last year. In essence, in the, in, in 1972, they predicted that the end of the world would, was going to be around 2040 or 20. 50. I can't remember which it was now. It didn't end. We're 2050. We're here. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're here in 2050. <laughs> so clearly they were wrong. Um, but but it hit the news again because um, uh, a woman at KPMG, which is one of the biggest accounting firms in the world, um, went yeah, back it? to that study, that 1972 study, and um, and checked to see how it was going, how accurate it was. Mm-hmm. And and what she's finding is that a lot of those milestones that they suggested would occur have been occurring on the timeline that they were predicting. And, you know, she, so what she writes in her conclusion is that, you know, the the I'm going to read the quote because we didn't speak to her. Uh, but what she says is the limits to growth message was that continuous growth in industrial output cannot be sustained indefinitely. Effectively, humanity can either choose its own limits or at some point reach an imposed limit, at which time a decline in human welfare will have become unavoidable. It's sort of like if you think about the fermenters we talk about, Chava, the open air fermenters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your sugar in there, the yeast comes down, the yeast starts eating the sugar, and it starts multiplying. It starts having little baby yeast. And Mm -hmm. and those baby yeast have baby yeast, and they keep multiplying and eating the sugar until suddenly there's no more sugar left, and the yeast start dying off. And then they're getting consumed by the acetic acid bacteria, right? Like, that's the world that we're living in unless, as you suggest— You just ruined fermentation for me. I hate you. That's such an ominous way to look at it. Who would have Who would have thought that I could do that? Unless, as you suggest, like, and, and as as this report suggests, and it really is Dan's entire book suggests, we start viewing these special things as special things that tequila maybe shouldn't be an everyday thing. Maybe tequila, you know, only enjoy it, you know, once a month. Even the most basic, like even beer, like it it blows my mind that you can 
cross the street and just buy this thing that was extremely hard to get, that it was extremely precious even 50 years ago. Well, yeah, and, like, like, but I'll say that that's like when I read Dan's book, and I've not gotten to this chapter yet, but I skimmed ahead to it. Like, he points to beer as being one of the uh, the things that's going to save us because so many small breweries and wineries and Perry makers—that's that's pear made cider. You know, all of these these small uh, breweries are taking local goods and making local drinks for local people. <sighs> I mean, again, and I'm happy this is the ending of this episode because there's hope. We can do things right. We just need to get smarter. Okay, so why don't you and I head back to 2022 and tell that to our 2022 selves? Sure. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Hasta pronto. Nos vemos, jovencillo. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.